Hey, and welcome to The Living Stone, a digital ministry from Greystone Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Here's this week's scripture reading and sermon. This is Matthew 16, 24 through 17, 8. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any of you want to become my followers, let them. Deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my Son, the Beloved, and with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up, do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today, looking out, I'm reminded that our youth are away on retreat this weekend. So if you are looking for uh, half of the ministerial staff team or the younger folks who usually uh, fill the area over here, uh, remember to pray for them as they travel home today. Um, as I was spending time with the text this week, I realized how appropriate it is that our youth group are away on retreat the week we study the transfiguration when Jesus brings three of the disciples away up on a mountain to have an experience with God that is unlike any other. As Elizabeth said earlier in our service, this is a difficult text to understand. It is one uh, that could be interpreted in many different ways. There could be many good sermons that come from this text today, but for our time together, I would like for us to focus on the awe and wonder of it all. The awe and the wonder. Can you remember the last time that you felt awe A-W-E, it's a hard word to say. The last time that you felt awe or wonder. Can you remember the last time that you felt like something much bigger than yourself was taking place? What did it feel like? 
Can you remember the last time you felt like the presence of God, the Holy Spirit was right there with you? Sometimes we can feel awe when we are outdoors and in nature. There was one time for me a few years ago when I was driving in a Mustang convertible through the mountains outside of Phoenix, Arizona, and it wasn't the Mustang that elicited the awe. This is a picture that I took. I've had to pull off the side of the road. There's no filter. I took it with my iPhone. And I've got to tell you, the beauty was so exquisite that neither the picture nor the words trying to describe it could ever do it justice. It made me want to stop where I was and give thanks and pray and and praise God for the beauty itself and also for the privilege to bear witness to it with my eyes. Sometimes we can feel awe and wonder when we are in the presence of other people. Like a few weeks ago in this very room, when we were sitting here for worship in this same hour, we were talking about prayer and Pastor April led the children in a prayer like she so often does. But on this Sunday, a few weeks ago, the kids repeated the phrases after her. Do you remember that moment? The hair stood up on my arms, I got chills, and I knew that the Holy Spirit was here with us and among us. That was church for me, a moment of awe and wonder, a thin space, as the mystics call it, where the human and the holy are not so far apart. When was the last time you felt that way? When was the last time that you felt awe and wonder? Happiness researcher Dacher Keltner defines awe as the emotion that we experience when we encounter vast mysteries that we don't understand. We encounter awe in nature, he says, in art and music. We can experience it with and through other people in moments like weddings and baptisms and graduations. When a baby is born or someone peacefully passes away after a long and good life, we can find awe in large moments and in small moments. Sometimes there is a realization and sometimes just a wave of chills that come over the body with a word, a touch, or a comforting presence. Whenever it comes, though, all reveals that our current knowledge is simply not up to the task of making sense of that which we are experiencing. These experiences punctuate the stories of the Bible beginning with the Garden of Eden when the first human beings wrestle with so many things beyond their comprehension. And then later in the same story, there was a burning bush that stood before Moses, and yet even though it was on fire, it wasn't being consumed. And then there were walls of water that stood up and parted, clearing the ground so that Hebrew feet could walk through them, marching on toward freedom. And then there was the cave of Elijah that held him and protected him from the overwhelming magnitude of God's presence as God passed by. Do you remember that story? And now today, there is the ever effervescent glow of Jesus standing on the Mount of Transfiguration. These are certainly moments of awe and wonder that far surpass our intellectual capacities. 
experiences of which our minds cannot make any sense, and yet experiences that change us forever, shaping us into different kinds of people. In his research, Dr. Keltner finds that opportunities of awe and wonder are all around us, all the time. If we could only just pause a moment and open up our minds. There are moments in our everyday lives that can overwhelm us with awe, that can remind us of the closeness of God and the proximity of wonder. In his podcast, Science of Happiness, Keltner's guest Natalie tells a story of her own experience of awe and wonder in everyday life. She suffered with addiction, and in a moment of uh, near the beginning of her journey with sobriety, she finds herself walking on a sidewalk in her neighborhood, uh, a path that she's tread many, many times before. But on this particular day, and in her new experience of sobriety, of walking on the sidewalk, she looks up and sees the garden of a neighbor, a simple space that he's been cultivating for quite some time. But on this day, in this moment, Natalie's eyes were open to a new presence, uh, something holy that was taking place as the plants grew miraculously and bloomed in all of their beauty. Beholding it for the first time, she stopped on the sidewalk and she wept because for the first time, she was able to experience the wonder of it all. These kinds of moments can transform us. Like Natalie learned in that moment, they can quiet the nagging and self-critical, overbearing, status-conscious voice of ourself or our ego. And in so doing, they empower us to collaborate, to open our minds, to see wonders, and to see the deep patterns of life that are dancing all around us. When we awaken to these extraordinary happenings, when the truly transcendent experiences come, we want to linger there as long as possible. When Natalie saw that garden for the first time, In her weeping, she didn't want to continue her walk. She wanted to just stay right there and behold the beauty of it all. Like when the kids were praying a few weeks ago, I didn't want to do anything else in worship. I just wanted to sit right there and appreciate the beauty of the moment. Like driving in the mountains of Arizona, when you look at something that looks like that, it's really hard to go anywhere else. But I knew that I couldn't keep driving forever. The conference I was in Arizona to attend was going to start. And besides, if I kept driving, I was going to run out of gas eventually. Life goes on, right? Sometimes when we gaze upon our growing children or our aging parents or our changing friendships, we want time to stand still so that we can cherish the beauty of it all, so that we can hold on to those good moments, just linger a little bit longer, and yet we know we can't hit pause. We have to keep moving. This must have been going on in the minds of Peter and James and John as their eyes beheld for the first time the miracle of the transfiguration. 
right before them as they were looking at Jesus, who just moments before was probably wearing a brown plain tunic. Nothing special, something ordinary, probably similar to what the disciples themselves were wearing. Just moments before, Jesus probably looked and smelled like the dust from the path, like sweat from the work and the travel that preceded that miraculous event. Just moments before, Jesus was just one of them, a wise friend, a sage, one of them who was leading them up this path on this hike until all of a sudden, even as they were looking at him, he became something different. In a moment of interrupting awe, Jesus' face began to shine like the sun, the scripture tells us, and his clothes became white as the light. And not just that, But the journey was also interrupted by two additional figures, Moses, who was the father of the law, and Elijah, who was the father of the prophets. There, standing between the two, the law and the prophets, the two guiding forces of the relationship between God and God's beloved people, there, standing in between the two, conversing with them both, Jesus begins to shine, and a voice comes from heaven, much like the voice we know because we read a few chapters earlier in Matthew's gospel when Jesus was baptized. There, standing on the mountain, that same voice comes and issues the same blessing. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. But this time, as Jesus stands between Moses and Elijah, as he shines before the disciples, the voice from the heavens also says, listen to him. Those words uttered from on high in this awesome moment reminds us of the centrality and the urgency and the importance of Jesus' message. And Peter, struck by the wonder of it all, wanted to linger in the miracle taking place right in front of his eyes. He wanted to stay there on the mountain forever, basking in the glory of the transfiguration. It's good that we are here, he cried out. Let us build a shelter for you. And while we're at it, maybe one for Moses and one for Elijah so that you can all three stay right here looking just like this, this awesome, wonderful experience. Can't we just stay here forever? And though it may be tempting for us as readers of the gospel who know how the story goes because we've read it before, we can't really blame Peter for asking the question. In fact, we probably ought to applaud his courage because he is asking the thing that we really want to ask. He's saying the thing that we all ultimately say, even if we're not saying it with our words, we say it with our actions over and over again. Why don't you stay right over here, God? Stay up on the mountain where I can come and visit you when I want to, when I mean to, when I need a little pick-me-up or another good experience with you, God. Why don't you stay over here, Jesus, in this shelter I'm going to build for you so that I can keep you separate and isolated and distinct from all the complicated things that govern my life? Why don't you stay over here and keep the law and the prophets with you nice and tidy so that I can call on you and them whenever I want to? 
Yes, it's good that we are here to bask in the glory of the transfiguration, to bear witness to all that is beautiful and wonderful and beyond what our brains can ever understand. It's really good that we are here. Oh God, it feels it's good to be close to you, but why don't you just stay there? Stay the same. Don't change because we like you the way you are. And also don't ask us to change either. Let's just hit pause and stay in this wonderful moment forever. Sometimes we look at the disciples and we wonder how they can miss the point over and over again. How could they be so dense? How could they continue to act the same way and ask the same questions and yet when we are honest, We have to confess it is exactly the same thing that we do. I love that Peter is the one who is leading the charge in this particular story, the one who is giving voice to the questions, because if you remember, Peter is the rock upon which the church is built. And here, Peter couldn't possibly be any more like the church for whom he will become the foundation. This is good, we like to say. It worked. It worked in the past. It worked that one time, we liked it, it felt really good and people came. So can't we just put our stake in the ground there? Can't we just stay like we were? Why do we have to change that thing? It was my favorite thing. I really liked it. It felt comfortable. It worked. Can't we just keep it the way it was? I love that Peter is asking the question, I love it because he's the foundation upon which the church is built. And I love it because really Peter couldn't be any more human in this moment. It's not only the church that doesn't really like to change, it's also the humans that make it up. It's only human to want to linger in the good times. Like Peter, we want to build a shelter, a shrine, a sanctuary around our most holy and transcendent moments. The moments when we feel because we we know and we can feel that God is right here in our midst. But y'all, here is the thing. The Holy Spirit is on the move. The Holy Spirit is beckoning us forward just like Jesus does with the disciples in this beautiful story. And if we stay too long, we're going to miss it. If we stay still too long, we're going to miss everything that is about to happen. Like a child. Do you all remember those station wagons with the seats that faced out the back window, right? Like a child sitting and strapped in in the back seat, staring out the back window of a station wagon. We are going to miss the beauty and the mystery and the awe and the wonder of everything that God is trying to do just up ahead. And here's the other thing. In the Bible, when these moments of awe and glory and wonder arrive, they often come with a new calling or a renewed sense of call. The people who experience the wonder of God's closeness, God's proximity, they are transformed by that overwhelming 
awesome presence of God. They are fundamentally different than they were before. They are changed and they are given a renewed purpose. When Moses stood before that burning bush, he was called to become the liberator for the Hebrew people. He did not want that responsibility. He did not think that he was especially gifted for the job and yet he was called by God. And in that moment of awe and wonder, that motherless child adopted by Pharaoh's own daughter became the one who would liberate the people from that same Pharaoh's slave quarters. Wow. And when Elijah sought shelter in a mountain cave after running away from the people that God called him to serve, God passed by And in that passing by, renewed Elijah's calling and sent him right back to the people with a new sense of courage and commitment and confidence so that he could deliver the prophetic words that God gave him to speak. Wow. And when James and John and Peter saw Jesus transfigured, When they stood face to face with God's holy presence, they saw that Jesus stood in authority with the law and the prophets. And in those holy moments, they had their doubts. They had their hesitations. They wanted to stay put. But Jesus said, no, get up. Do not be afraid. Wow. Recognizing all of this, recognizing that it seems to be in God's nature to transcend, to interrupt, to overwhelm us with beauty and awe and wonder, and recognizing that those experiences of God's overwhelming presence so often leads us to a new or a renewed sense of call, it makes me wonder, what is our awe calling us toward? Have you ever thought about that? What is our awe calling us to become? If we meet awe and wonder here in this sanctuary regularly, or in this community, is God calling us to give more generously so that we can sustain this beautiful gift and pass it on to our children and their children and their children? Or if we meet awe and wonder in the beauty of God's creation, is God calling us to become better stewards of that beautiful earth? Or if we meet awe and wonder in the presence of others, is God calling us to become better neighbors however we can, maybe giving of our time, our resources, or standing up for justice and advocating with those whose voices have long been quieted? Where is our awe? calling us? What kind of people, what kind of church are we becoming in light of our experiences of awe and wonder? Where is awe calling us? Dacher Keltner is right. In his research, he finds the moments of awe and wonder really are all around us. We just have to quiet all the other noise all the distractions, and perhaps even our own egos long enough just to see God's handiwork on display everywhere, all the time. God is very near, friends. 
But God will not be contained by our shelters or our sanctuaries. So where is our all calling us? What is just up ahead? And how are we going to be renewed by it? The truth is, I don't know. That's part of the joy of it all. I don't know where our awe and wonder is calling us, but I really can't wait to find out. So let's see together. Amen.